Welcome to the Thinking Practitioner Podcast. A podcast where we dig into the fascinating issues, conditions, and quandaries in the massage and manual therapy world today. I'm Whitney Lowe. And I'm Till Luca. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Thinking, Thinking Practitioner. Practitioner. The Thinking Practitioner Podcast is supported by ABMP, Associated Bodywork and Massage Professionals. ABMP membership gives professional practitioners like you a package including individual liability insurance, free continuing education, quick reference apps, legislative advocacy, and much more. ABMP CE courses, podcast, and massage and bodywork magazine always feature expert voices and new perspectives in the profession, including myself and Whitney Lowe. Thinking practitioner listeners can save on joining ABMP at abmp.com thinking. And uh, Whitney is not with me today, but I do have a very special guest uh, in the form of Judith Aston. Hello, Judith. Hello, Till. How are you? I am very good. This is uh, the first in my conversations around the topic of women in this profession, women teachers in particular in this profession of massage and body work. And uh, I'm so pleased that you could take the time to join us. Thanks for doing that. You're welcome. Thank you. Oh, uh, your name came to my mind immediately as Whitney and I were brainstorming about people we want to talk to about the subject. And in my mind, you need no introduction, but I think I should probably say something about, <laughs> there's people you know, who don't know me or don't know you, so we should probably, I should probably say something. You, I know you as the developer of Aston Kinetics, the Aston Paradigm. I met you in the late 1980s at the Esla Institute when I was in a program that you were on the faculty of with Don Johnson. Yeah. And I was just at a rolfing school where, and you uh, worked with Dr. Rolf in this rolfing structural integration and had a major influence on the movement work that's still taught in that school today. And then have, you went on to develop your own systems. What am I leaving out that we should make sure we mention here at this point? Well, let's see, I've been practicing, um, I've been practicing since 1968. Wow. Um, I've been teaching, I started teaching at a college since, I've been teaching since 1963. Yeah. So I guess somehow the way I see things has a slight little spiral in it or slightly off center with a question and people go it doesn't fit in this box let's see how it goes yeah that's and that was i mean i could talk about the influence you've had on me forever i mean that was that was the influence you had on me i was right out of the discipline of structural integration which you had had extensive background in and you took me on a spiral you sent me in a a maybe a an iteration of that that's been very rich and very curling and curved and loopy along the way. So it's for that, I'm very grateful. Well, good. Well, and there's more conversations I want to have with you, as I told you, but the one today was about this question of female women teachers in our field. And it has been brought to my attention repeatedly that there are fewer women teachers in the field of massage in particular than there are male teachers and so then when Whitney and I were talking about that, about how to bring that into our podcast, the discussion around that phenomenon, we thought, let's talk to some people, some women in particular, 
who are teachers in the field. And basically, we just have one question for you. Is Are you ready for it? Can I ask it? Sure. As a teacher in our field, uh, do you feel that being a woman has held you back in any way? Well, what was interesting <clears throat> for me to receive these questions, uh, I was curious where they came from yeah. uh, in terms of did people make uh, express certain complaints or certain challenges for have women done that, et cetera. I mean, I didn't check out for the teachers, but um, in the field, but in terms of the percentages of females in the massage field, it's 86%, AMTA says it's 86% yeah. women and therefore 14% men and PTs are 65%, et cetera, et cetera. So as practitioners, numbers, yeah. Uh-huh. As practitioners in the field. So to me, that makes your question much more interesting because the women are there. Yeah. They probably just need to be inspired for the next step to go in to teach uh, what it is that they've learned and so on and so forth. So that changes that orientation because um, really I had never even considered these things. I'll tell you, I evaluate people differently uh, than male, female. I evaluate by qualities. So someone has creativity as a quality, yeah. very good mathematician, they can see, they have a very good perception of vision of the kinesthetic, et cetera. All those categories of people that male and females share along that whole continuum. Yeah. Um, but the going into teaching, yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, I was a teacher. I was a teacher and I was in, unfortunately, two car accidents, one from uh, hitting me from behind and one person driving in front uh, of probably four lanes of us going 50 at least, decided to cross that highway while all of us were going. And that one, that incident was that I, were, I hit him from the front of my car. And these two things left me very compromised in my body. And I had been teaching at places like Esalen and Kairos yeah. Uh, in starting in 65. Um, and I remember one of the psychiatrists that I was doing the movement for his workshops, he, um, I said, excuse me, I just got the report from the hospital and they said, there's no reason I should be handicapped with this pain that they are concluding it's in my mind. Hmm. And I happen to know <laughs> it is not in my mind. And you tell me, do you think I'm making this up? And he said, no, no. It turns out I found out that he had been a surgeon before he became a psychiatrist. And he said, they just don't understand soft tissue injury. And I said, soft tissue injury, what is that? He said, listen, I've just heard about, because he trained with Fritz Perls. He said, I just heard about this woman, Dr. Ida Rolf. I hear she's a white witch. And really make things happen. Now, then, wait a minute. This is your surgeon? This is, this is, he was a surgeon who became a psychiatrist. Okay. Started leading groups for emotional work. Okay. And human potential, I think it was called. Sure, absolutely. At that era, we were called in the human 
intentional movement. Okay, so he was and out of the box this. already, but he said, okay, so you got to know about this woman, Ida Rolf. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm on my way. So it happened to be um, during a break of some kind, and truly, I drove, well, I called my friends at Esalen and said, hey, do you know about this? <laughs> they said, yeah, she's coming. <laughs> and I said, good, I'm coming up for a session. I've got to get a session with her. And they said, too bad, she's booked. And I said, no, 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 no. And they said, yeah, no, she's booked, Judith. And I said, okay, I'm coming anyway. So I came and I sat on her doorstep for two days. Um, I thought perhaps she would have a cancellation. And you know, you remember till that her office was that one that Bernie Gunther used to use. Anyway, people used to use down at the Bass, right there in beautiful Big Sur, Esalen. I, yeah, I was there after those years. I was there in the 80s, so she had already passed. But yeah, no, her her offices or the rooms, the classroom she used were right there. And I had the privilege of working in those very offices, seeing clients for a couple of years. So yeah, I know that place very well. Yeah. And so she, <laughs> and she said, what are you doing here? And I said, I'm waiting for a cancellation. She slammed the door again. And so she must have asked about me. So at the end of the, the middle of that second day, she opens the door and said, I have a cancellation for tomorrow at two o'clock, be here. I said, I will. And she closed the door. So when I came, <laughs> we just started the session and my pain threshold is probably a very, very 0. 0.0001. Um, and I couldn't believe that I was squirming on the table going, yeah. And then she'd stop and I'd move the body part and I'd go, oh, oh my goodness, that's improved. She'd go, well, of course it is. And so then we'd go on and this was going through the whole session. And at the end of this session, really, no thought in my mind never had occurred to me. Don't even think I'd ever held a bodywork session or a massage at that time. She says, I understand that you create movement programs for people. I said, yes, yes, I do. So she'd been asking, <laughs> she'd been asking, you know, Richard and and da 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 and da 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 and all the different people <laughs> that ran the <laughs> Who is this strange woman? And I said, yes, I do. And she said, good. Do you think you could create a movement program for my work? I said, sure. People hire me all the time for different for different programs. And she said, okay. And so then she said, uh, I have to train you. And I said, why? This is me, the naive one. You were she ready said, to go. Oh, you said you get the session. So yeah, this, we could do movement on this. I, I said, why? She said, well, you have to know what to do. And I said, well, I've been doing this for years now. Let's see, the 68. So I've been, I've been teaching professionally for eight years. I said, people have me come and watch what they do. I make up um, suggestions and questions and we meet and so on and so forth. And this is how it goes. She said, no, that won't work. And she said, and the class starts in six weeks and it's six weeks long. And I said, oh, Dr. Ralph, I finally get to go to Europe. And I don't think I can make it if all my plans made. She said, change them. And I said, oh, Dr. Rolf, da, da, da. I'd really like to. And then this is where I saw the triple Taurus. Her head went like triple this. Triple Taurus. 
<laughs> and, look forward. Yeah. Uh -huh. and she said, I said, change it. And my little meek boys went, okay. <laughs> and that's how we started. And so I sat in on different classes. I had audited um, that first class. And what happened in the first class was because I could see body patterns really well, I'd be standing in the back of the room trying not to be noticed because I didn't want to be the client for the session demo. And so I would be in the back leaning on the windowsill and so on. And the, the rolfers would be kind of gravitating toward me. They say, Jack, what do you see? And I'd go, I just see that the hip is high on the right and low on the left, and opposite in the shoulders, yeah. So they'd move forward and they'd say, yeah, I see the hip level is high on the right, low on the left, and the opposite in the shoulders. And she'd go, oh. You were saying the same thing quietly in the background, yeah. No, I was telling them. They came oh, back you were to telling them. them, I'm sorry, yes. Yeah, and so they go forward. <laughs> I got busted um, anyway, but the point is, she said, okay, you need to teach my practitioners how to see body patterns. I said, no problem. And then she said, and can you create a movement problem? I said, sure. I said, but after watching people do your work, perhaps they could learn some body mechanics on how to do the work a little more efficiently. Would that, that be okay? And she goes, yeah, that'd be okay. So um, I did three forms of creating, three forms for Dr. Rolf. Yeah. One was teaching people how to see body patterns. So it was visual postural assessment. The second one was creating body mechanics usage for them to be more efficient in their work. Yeah. And not um, particularly if women trained. At that time, she was only accepting very strong, taller, muscular women to do okay. work at that time. All right. So here's, here's the, it's apparently a myth. But here's the myth I remember growing up with, in quotes, as a rolfer, and this, you know, starting, this must have been 15 years after this time period you're talking about. The, the story that we heard was that Judith, that Ida would not let Judith train because she was a woman, or then said, okay, I'll train you, but you can only work on children. Is this myth or is this fact? No, this is the next segment. Okay, I'm, oh. I'm stealing your thunder. Sorry. <laughs> Not a problem. No, that's perfect. So, so, interestingly enough, the last day of that class, everybody's driving off and I'm ready to hop in my 400 horsepower Firebird and jet back to Long Beach, California. <laughs> really? Is that, that's the car you had? Oh, yeah. No, I had two of those Firebirds. Yes. Okay, so you had a strong muscular car, even if you weren't a strong muscular Right. However, I, I knew I've always known leverage, but anyway, uh, in terms of body usage. Um, but anyway, and so Dr. Rolf says, I'll walk you out to your car. Now, I had been Dr. Rolf's girl Friday all those six weeks. I drove her to Big Sur. I bought things for her. I took her laundry. <laughs> I took people to meet with her, da, 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 as well as the training and so on and so forth. Anyway. Walking out to the car, and I we're walking, and I'm getting really this is something is off here. So we're at my car, and she says, I'm not going to take you on. You're too small, you'll never make it in the field, you'll only hurt yourself, and I'm not going to do that. I said, Well, I don't think so. I don't think you're correct. 
And she said, the answer is no. And I said, well, I just have to prove you wrong. Hopped in my car. I drove very quickly down those curvy roads. <laughs> and I stopped in a massage school on my way home and enrolled. You were going to get the prerequisite massage training. You were going to get it done and do it. And the people there said, oh, my goodness, you have all these skill sets. I said, yes. And they said, oh, would you like to maybe trade some of your skill sets for some of the course? I said, sure. Uh, anyway, and so then Dr. Rolf is coming to L.A. I understand she's coming to L.A. So I find out the total cost of the course. I gained 10 pounds. I beefed up. <laughs> I write the check for well, the this was muscle, I am so you were lifting it, the weight. Yeah, it's muscle. I got <laughs> up to 120. Okay. So anyway, and then I walked with my very best Rolf line with the Rolf walk where the psoas, you tip the pelvis back and that thrust the knee forward. I'm telling you, I had everything in order. Yeah. And so they say, Dr. Rolf is in here. She's meeting with a few people, but she's through. So I walk in. I don't know if you know this walk, the elbows go out, the knees go forward, the waistline goes back. That one, I know that one I'm walking and so on and so forth. I pass her, I have this check in my hand and I drop it on her lap and I continue walking. And if you ever heard Dr. Rolf laugh in some of the tapes you've ever heard, she had the most magnificent laugh, most <laughs> magnificent, deep, <laughs> deep, full-bodied laugh and she burst out laughing she said okay 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 i said you want me to treat <laughs> he said okay like that but only with children small women and children i said okay so um so i trained with um i think emmett uh when i trained in february 1969 yeah. Um, I was with Jan and, and Jan um, Sultan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. can't remember some of the other people, but I know that Emmett was uh, auditing. Yeah. Emmett, this would be Emmett Hutchins. Yeah. Who was my original rolfing teacher. Yeah. 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 And uh, anyway, great. <laughs> it was a great group. And uh, oh my goodness. Um, that was where I connected with. Um, um, and uh, he came to lecture us about the importance of the tone of the pupicoxygeal muscle and so on and so forth. And then he wrote a book about it. Anyway. So it wouldn't be Kegel, would it? Yes, Dr. Kegel. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so then I was intrigued with all of that. And so I went to meet with Dr. Kegel. Um, and I... Um, Again, because I'm a problem solver. So once I see certain kinds of problems, there's just something till that happens with me. And maybe this is something that the people that don't know their teachers could relate to. There's just something like I can be walking down the street and something catches me and I back up to see what just got my attention. And it's someone in either an unusual walking pattern or someone doing something that's unusual and I just quickly assess or I walk away going, oh, that's intriguing. If they only knew about asymmetrical spiraling, they could use that cane in such a different way 
but I know it's not appropriate for me to say something, but it catches my attention. So Dr. Cagle's work and so much of the Cagle exercise in the where they got the work, which was from the Egyptians and what they did with women who just had babies, they would have them sit in these chairs that were open at the pelvis area and they would have something that was um, boiling that they would put um, um, uh, liquid in there and it would spit up and the women would contract and that would draw up peritoneum, yeah. And um, other than that though, I mean, that might've been the reason they started, but the point is I kept thinking, this is so strange because why would you do exercises in line with gravity, adding the down weight? wouldn't you go upside down? So I then did on the floor and then I did feet on the wall and then I actually did on my handstand. Um, I think you're talking about the paradox of the fact that the pelvis floor is like a floor. Yeah. And you're wondering like, you know, if we're, if we, how can we use gravity helpfully in, with that situation since everything is above that floor in normal upright position, yeah. is that right? Mm-hmm. So therefore, and that was before I really understood about the ground reaction force, but there I was, and it's kind of like, oh my goodness, the tone, and you know, there are ways that you can measure your tone, Um, and the tone is increased, and and I've just taught this for so many decades to people, um, and they get so much help. Uh, I think we even have something up on that somewhere on our website. Uh, Anyway, um, and so... It just has been this, um, how could I do this easier or better? So once I got trained, and particularly when Dr. Rolf would have me come and assist her in her classes, I assisted her in Big Sur, I assisted her in New York, I assisted her in New Jersey. I don't think I got there in uh, Florida, Uh, but then again in in Boulder, Denver area, yeah. Uh Um, And... I would then have to go demonstrate for the men these moves. And I realized what I had to recruit was not what I was doing in my private practice. And I could really leverage using the push off my feet and my squeezing my body in every plane 360 by 360 in order to have the strength to have the to get to the place that I wanted to but what I had discovered when I was working at home with clients in my home office well in any office that I was teaching um was that all tissue had a grain and You could either go with the grain or against it. Hmm. And I remember one time being in a dissection, I said, I got to try this out. And we had a cadaver to for my class. So, and I was going this way on the intercostals and it looked like I was ironing it. And I turned around and went the other way and it frayed. I said, this is the way it feels to me. Like Hmm. I feel like I get the change so much faster, easier, with less pain when I'm not going perpendicular, but longitudinal with the grain of the the tissue at the angle that it's going, which could be what I call the 360 by 360. It could be any direction. 
you're talking about a radical switch from a paradigm that where you were you were accomplishing it by using leverage, like you said, a certain amount of strength, perhaps, but a lot of movement smarts to do this very uh, uh, yang kind of modality that took that was it, other people were using quite a bit of pressure in that style at that time. Well, and and the question is, is compression the best answer for uh-huh. all of this work that we do? Because compression is pressing tissue against tissue. I like gliding tissue in a direction that moves that tissue below it also, or in opposition by my other hand, bringing it in opposition. So I'm working the two surfaces at the same time. Which as it turns out is the best, some of the best explanations we have for the changes we see in fascial work is the interface, getting things to slide against each other. Right. So I just got so fascinated with all of that. And then I realized that, you know, I don't know if you ever read the article or I did a presentation for the, the Yazzie convention in 2018 in Seattle. Um, and I brought in my slideshow, the, the nine dot box. Do you know that? Three dots? I don't know. Tell us, tell us the important part of that. It's this one. Okay, so nine dots in a square, got it. Mm -hmm. And I used it because the assignment for someone when you look at this, connect the center of each dot and four continue in with four continuous straight lines. Yeah. You have to go outside the box. (laughs) So four dots in a square in a box. We'll see if we can put this in the show notes somehow so people can get it. Yeah, four lines, four lines connecting the nine dots. All right. And you cannot do it if you stay inside the box. So I used it at my presentation saying, I've always been inspired by, and people tell me I inspire them by thinking outside the box. So I want to encourage you (laughs) to look at this differently. It's really, you know, as you've told a story of really finding uh, your way to do the work with the grain in a way where you could accomplish it by using your leverage and movement intelligence, but you found a, a, a way that was right for you. And, yes, and also I could feel the consequence of it and I could see the consequence of all these wonderful people that I worked with in the Rolfing trainings and thereafter that came to me for years and years mm. that the compressive forces that they were needing to do and therefore squeezing their joints and adding torsion around their joints for stability was aging them more quickly. And so I kept saying, let me just see if I can help you find the dance. And they go, that's right, you're a dancer. I say, well, you know, a dance can be any movement. It could be very, very slow movement and you're watching it go from point A to Z or A to B, a dance is your tempo, your pressure, your asymmetry, your asymmetrical strength right to left, da 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 da. All of these different things um, can be addressed. And so a lot of the Rolfers started coming to me for furthering their education on body usage and learning techniques and um, yeah, and so, and so, and then, One of the things happened, let's see, this is, uh, I'm talking about 
I started doing the trainings 71, 72, 73. I realized I wanted to teach people to do a three-dimensional massage for one, how they could create the tissue availability for specificity yes. by doing the strokes first, rehydrating certain tissues that were just what I called functional. So I have a category of a, a line down here at the scene is a functional holding pattern and it moves all the way to a structural holding pattern. And it, as that line develops and progresses, it becomes more adhered. Mm -hmm. So the adhesions need structural work to release them. And the functional holding patterns, if caught easy, where you'd fall, but you could be given movements and how to do self-massage to neutralize that on the spot. I mean, if I fall, I, I'm taking my care of myself on the street. People go, can I help you up? No, thank you. You find you your know, own meaning. Yes. Giving people tools to take care of themselves from what happens to them. And so the rovers started coming and I realized, I kept saying, I don't know, but I find that I can use superficial tissue by the way I hold it and stabilize it and rotate it. I can use it as a tool to work very deep tissue. Mm -hmm. And they say, oh, we want to learn that. Sure. <laughs> and I well, said, well, interesting, because the thing is that after all this work that you guys are doing and I'm doing, I don't know what's happening, but I don't see the movement going through to the skeletal system. And you found ways to teach that and do that in your work. And so I so, created a work called Arthrokinetics, yeah. where I was trying to get movement at the joints and the lung bones. And I have to say, I, I listened to a little bit of your uh, podcast with Dr. Stecco, is it? Yes. And I got very excited because these are the things I have been teaching since 1974. Fascinating. I, I, oh, please, that, that, that would be arrogant if I, if I didn't explain. <laughs> what I meant was, these are the ideas and discoveries I've been working with. It's I don't true. know this work. No, so I can't say. No, 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 of course. I don't, we know what you mean. But, but what do you think that. of my question, by the way? I asked you about if you felt like being a woman has held you back. And you've told us a story of finding your way through and finding a way to make things yours and finding your contribution. Right. So is, am I asking the right question? <laughs> well, I just haven't seen it as a male-female thing. You know, uh, I know it exists. Yeah. And I know that a lot of uh, people think, you know, so when I heard... The AMTA say 86% are women and 14% are men that are doing the work. It's kind of like, whoa, I would never have thought that yeah. because men seem to, as you, I don't know if you have the statistics, I didn't look up teachers, you should look that up. Yeah. What, are the, what is the statistic for the number of male teachers in the world uh, on the field of OT, PT, um, body work, Da, 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 da. Yeah. That's a, that's a very interesting. I don't know that someone's actually studied that, but I certainly the impression from looking at publicity, we see a lot of male faces. And I know that you know, there's a lot of awareness and sensitivity to making sure that we're inclusive, that if we have a panel that's all guys, it's, uh, it's a blind spot on our side, for example. I'm also just really aware of how 
as you were just talking, you mentioned the years 71, 72, 73. There was a lot going on in the culture then. What was going on in the 70s that you're referring to? Well, there was a lot of discussion around, around the role of women, namely. Let's leave it behind if it's not something that is relevant or is interesting. Oh, I to missed talk about. it. You missed it. <laughs> uh, I don't know how that happens. <laughs> I was just busy. I've always been busy my whole life. Fantastic. And um, golly, I, huh. I mean, it's true. I've had certain things where, well, we want to give this uh, job to a man. Uh -huh. and, um, it's like, oh, okay, fine. Um, and it just leans, you know, redirects me to something else. So, um, but, you know, I, I think there, are, again, I talk about qualities instead of male, female, but there are people that are artists, whether on this, on the continuum of male or female, there are artists everywhere. There are sensitive people everywhere. There are intuitives everywhere. Um, and so the qualities of the certain female traits, perhaps, um, or male traits um, that might be successful, um, I think get highlighted rather than really uh -huh about men and women. That's interesting, that's great. That's great. All right. Well, you, it, so it's not even something you thought about, you said. It's not even a question you'd considered before. We came in with this question, do you feel that it's held you back? And that wasn't even a question that you'd really gone for. And like I said, you told me a story about not being held back. Right, and you know, it was interesting. Uh, I, you did send me that, that question and it, it was interesting and uh, my interpretation was that I need to ask Till. Yeah. Is, was he feeling sorry for me in some way? <laughs> um, <laughs> perhaps, like I was remembering and I don't know, this might be something I want edited out, but yeah. um, uh, I was thinking uh, there are a couple times in a couple of presentations where I go into this place of, um, let me just tell you, for example, one of um, a person that was working with a couple of uh, our, my practitioners in Boulder, uh, and he worked for, he was a scientist for um, Martin Marietta. Hmm. And he asked me to come to walk around certain things that he would love my input on as a scientist and so on and so forth. And he took me to this place and he said, what do you think about this? And I said, well, yeah, it's not so efficient for the people working here, blah, blah, blah. Then he took me to another thing, another room. And I noticed that now I have a group of people following us and they're taking notes. And it was something about the MMU unit the chair that was designed for people that were gonna be there 24 seven on the job. And what did I think about this handle? And I tried it <laughs> and I, I said, oh my goodness, uh, this is opposite of what it should be because you're gonna to have to pull up against gravity and contract the hand the whole time. But if you change reverse that and you put 
the mechanism on the top, the person only has to lean forward and use their body weight to hold it down. And they went, oh, that's brilliant, thank you. And then people are writing and so on and so forth. And I go, so I turned to him and I say, hey, what's going on here? Because <laughs> I do have product designs. I don't think I want to just walk around. Uh, let's talk about this. Anyway, right. he asked me to participate in a human factors meeting that was an international meeting that was held at Martin Marietta offices that evening. And since I was in town, I said, oh, sure. He said, well, would you say a few words? And I said, uh, sure. Yeah. I don't so want I, you to pick, steal my designs or my ideas, but yeah, happy to say a few words to you. <laughs> and so, and so I say a few things. And this woman from maybe Denmark, uh, so anyway, this woman jumps out of her seat and she screams, how dare you say these things to us? You have no right to say these things. What you did you, no sorry, right. what did you say? No, I'm just talking, oh, I talked about my new paradigm for okay. body alignment. Right, and she was offended somehow. Well, I mean, the foot, the arch and the foot is canted. So if you put the 90 degree angle on that, which is what Dr. Ross uh, was her line yeah. up to the ear, you're only using half of the foot. So I incline the body forward not horizontally, on an angle, a couple of degrees. And it changes everything about shoes. It changes everything about teaching running classes, changes everything. So anyway, she's screaming and I'm panicked. I've got the mic and I'm going, oh my goodness. And she sits down and I say, I apologize. I was asked to talk about my ideas I, these are not researched. I don't seem to feel like I have the time or I haven't found a university that wants to research these things, but I'm just sharing them in case they're helpful because they seem to be helpful to the people who hire me. <laughs> anyway, yeah. and I've had that happen two, three, four times that people are outraged. Yeah. I mean, even with Dr. Upledger in Curacao, he came up after I finished and after someone said, you can't talk about the brain and the body needing to be asymmetrical, you have nothing. And I talked about this and we develop around the organs. The organs are asymmetrical. They're different sizes. They have different weights. Surely this accommodates for some of the asymmetry. Anyway, and he comes up after the person has really been yelling again and uh, says, I do surgery on the brain and I know I've been inside the brain, it's asymmetrical. Hmm. The body is asymmetrical. I support Judith on this 100%. Anyway, so sometimes because of those experiences, you've probably heard me then get really quiet as I'm starting to say something that might explode. <laughs> and it's not because I don't believe in what I'm saying. It, it's not at that at all. It's kind of like I'm waiting for the shoe to drop or someone to say, and it happened in the couple, a couple of things that we were just in, in the jams. Um, I'm trying to remember because my skill sets and my studies are not the physiology and the, um, the um, chemistry and the 
mechanics in terms of the way it's taught. I, I don't have knowledge on those things. Mine has been reading bodies, seeing where they are and where they're compromised and being able to teach people how to palpate the different layers of the body and bring a layer up from the deep or how to create slack to go from a superficial tight layer into deep. So something holding it deeper can release. Mm-hmm. And teaching going, with people, the, going with the grain, taking it into the restriction and necessarily pushing out of it. Yeah, sense. and with scar tissue, that can be, I mean, scar tissue that lays down all over. layers, different directions, yeah. You're, you're doing a move, and then you're going, and then you're coming, all different directions, really all fine little touch. Yeah. Suddenly, they start sliding together, but they spiral because they still have their influence that goes. So when I heard the word shear, I think it was um, Dr. Seko talking about shear. Shear can be, I feel it always has to be three-dimensional. Hmm. And if it's only on two planes, it's missing something. It's it's three-dimensional, even if it's almost on a flat surface, because the body has these dips and and um, history of adhesions and so on and so forth. Well, so, certainly, you've your answer to my two-dimensional question has added dimension. I come in with a, almost a polarity of a question: Do you feel like being a woman has held you back? And you've answered it out of the box and you've taken us into a multi-dimensional consideration and answer of the possibilities involved as opposed to this two-dimensional polarity that I started with. I wanna, yeah, I wanna ask you one more question before we're done. You have advice for, let's say you know, the original question was do you have advice for women interested in teaching now, but I wanna encourage you to jump out of that box too, if you'd like. Do you have advice for people Interested in teaching now? I don't know. When someone is enthusiastic, who lives what they say, um, that demonstrates in their work, their love, appreciation for the person in their history. Uh-huh. And, and can create something for that person in the moment that honors them is very different than you come, I'll give you four sessions, you'll be fixed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, it, it's, it's a different orientation about that. Um, and I think that a lot of the holding patterns that Dr. Rolf taught, that I taught, um, uh, held people in certain ways so that they appeared as though they were a certain way, but it was really a strain to go, I don't, you know, it's the same thing. It's kind of like when I would teach this plumb line top of the head and and I would look at different people who teach the head reaching and I'd say, wow, they flatten the cervicals. This is not good to reach with the head. There's something wrong here. And that's where I discovered, <laughs> I said, it almost should be the earth. We should push off the earth. And then my naive self finds out, golly, it has a name. You were describing <laughs> the ground reaction for us, yeah. Yeah, and I'll, uh, I remember someone saying, Judith, Judith, that thing you call pushing off the ground, it has a name. 
has a name. I said, I love it. And I immediately started calling it GRF or Griffin or, or whatever. And um, the reality is that when you push off the earth, you recycle the ground force going up. Yeah. And you exhale and you let the gravity reload your body. And this is what keeps the body vital, I think, and younger. I mean, people often say, hey, you're doing pretty well for your age. And then they ask me my age and I say, whatever. And then they say, oh, I thought you were a little younger. And <laughs> younger than whatever. <laughs> yeah, younger yes. than eight, 80 and a half. Um, and um, so the piece there is that this recycling keeps the body juicier and more able to make changes more quickly. Yeah. Well, I love it that you uh, decided to play ball with my questions and found your way through it. I really love your answers too. And it's, uh, you know, as complicated as a man even asking about these things and, and presuming I know anything, but you've, uh, you've helped me sit back and, uh, think about it in a new way. I really appreciate that. Well, you know, Till, I I just think you're terrific, number one. Um, mutual, by the way. Huh? It's mutual. Well, it's just um, having known you for a long time, and even, not that we're really close yeah. or so much time, but the point is you have this integrity, compassion, and very bright mind kind of operating at all times. And so something could go one way, uh, it seems like it's going another way and you have the presence to kind of uh, calm it or bring it forth. Thank you. Well, thanks for that description and that, that gift. It's, it's uh, it means a lot coming from you. Um, and so when it comes to teaching, I mean, that's my job. In fact, um, I, I want to say that, you know, since you asked me to, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was thinking maybe I'll do a short class someday. Maybe, I don't know, two-day class for my colleagues on some of these concepts. Fantastic. Because they're just so fun. They're just they cool. are. Well, how can, how can people find out about that or more about your work? If they want to know more about what you're up to and what you do, where would you yeah. direct them to look? Yeah, I think our website is astingkinetics.com. Okay. And um, office at astingkinetics is our email. All right. We'll put those in the show notes for sure. Well, and uh, we have a newsletter and... We have classes. We've tried to go to as much as possible online. It's challenging. It's challenging, but I have learned how to teach people some of the body work online. Um, it is challenging, but you've the bits of your work that I've been in online have also been very satisfying and stimulating. So we're finding ways to use this medium through all its limitations and imperfections too, to at least stay in touch. So I appreciate you joining me here in this way too. So yeah, people can find out more about your work in those places. If you want a consultation on your spacecraft design, please hire Judith. Don't try to get free consulting by just asking your interesting questions. But uh, we'll make sure all of those links are there for you. Thank you, Judith, for joining me today. Thank you, Till. You are such a 
an inspiration really for all of you are creating and sharing you and Whitney. Thank you. Thank you. Such a pleasure. And then our thanks to our closing sponsor, Handspring. When I was looking for a publisher for a book I wanted to write, I was fortunate to have ended up with two offers, one from a large international media conglomerate and the other from Handspring, a small publisher in Scotland run by four great people who love great books and who love our field. To this day, I'm glad I chose to go with Handspring as not only did they help me make the books I wanted to share, the AMT series, but their catalog has emerged as one of the leading collections of professional level books written especially for body workers, movement teachers, and all professionals who use movement or touch to help patients achieve wellness. Handspring's Move to Learn webinars are free 45-minute broadcasts featuring, featuring their offers, including one that I did with them. Head on over to their website at handspringpublishing.com to check these out. Be sure to use the code TTP, like The Thinking Practitioner, at checkout for a discount. Thanks, Handspring. And Handspring, Handspring did my book. Yeah, they did. What's Remind me the name of your book. We'll make sure we put Handspring, that in the show notes. Yeah, Handspring did my book. Um, Aston Postural Assessment. Aston Postural Assessment. So check out Judith's book on their site as well. Check out the show notes on our sites. Uh, for There's transcripts. There are links and all these things here. Who knows, maybe uh, Judith will even let me put a picture of her there. Uh, it's, you can find that on Whitney's site at academyofclinicalmassage.com or on my site, advanced-trainings.com. If there are questions you have or things you want to hear us talk about, just email us at info at thethinkingpractitioner.com. Look for us on social media under my names. To Luca, that's me, or Whitney Lowe, who will be back next episode. Rate us on Apple Podcasts as it really does help other people find the show. And you can hear us on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you listen. Thanks a million. And thanks again, Judith. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, too.